Something you'll never catch me doing is exploring caves. If it's a dark hole in the ground, I don't trust it. Welcome back to the swamps, my friends. It's good to see that you made it back for another episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true caving horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, whether it's a caving story or something completely different, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Sit back, relax, and enjoy these creepy and allegedly true caving horror stories. I am a qualified caving instructor, and honestly, it is not very often, at all, that I get frightened during a caving trip. Now, it is entirely possible that I have never gotten spooked because I am simply not claustrophobic, nor am I afraid of the dark. I mean, asking someone who likes caving to describe scary moments in a cave is a bit odd, but if you ask people who hated caving but were somehow roped into it, that's where you're probably going to get scary stories those stories definitely might prove a little more fruitful. Having said that, there are definitely a few caving trips I have presided over that have not exactly gone according to plan. I used to do a lot of solo caving and rappelling down vertical caves. It was one of my favorite parts of the whole process. I must have dropped into a cave maybe 300 times or more. Last month, I took a small group of Boy Scouts from Michigan into a vertical cave. Being slightly out of practice, and not trusting my well-worn gear to keep the kids safe, I ended up borrowing one from a buddy of mine. It was a slightly smaller bundle, slightly narrower in diameter, but it was infinitely more flexible than mine was. I thought this might prove to be a boon, but it turns out I did not quite think this through, and problems that did not occur to me at the time began to manifest very quickly. Once I was in the cave itself, I figured out quickly that I did not have nearly the amount of control I was used to in rappelling. I found that I was able to stop, but only just barely. Sitting over a 200 foot drop while hardly being able to keep myself from sliding, I decided to abort the rappel at the first ledge I arrived at, which was about 30 feet down. I had to lock off my rack and call on those who came with me to help me swing over the ledge and climb back out. Imagine that having your life in the hands of a bunch of Boy Scouts. No offense to the little guys, they did the job, but I was worried for a minute or two. I did have climbing gear with me, and I suppose I could have switched over to other rack, but that would have been a hell of a lot more trouble, so I took the easy way out. No, not that one. Since I was able to lock off the rack, I could simply rest there and think about my situation for a few minutes. The thoughts were not good, the Boy Scouts had their troop leader with them, so it was not like there was not a strong full adult there to help pull, but I will admit that I could not help imagining what would happen if something went wrong. If I were the panicking type, I suppose I would have been deathly afraid that I would lose my life right then and there, but that does not mean the prospect did not make me feel extremely nervous. I was literally dangling like 30 feet down into a pit with gear that was not right for the rope I was on with absolutely no way to control my descent. The thing is, I am careful enough that when I decided that the rappel was not a sure thing, 
I chose to call it off entirely, rather than risk that I had enough control to descend it safely. That is the type of care that keeps you alive in caves like this. But if you want to hear about something that really has the pucker factor to it, then how about a vertical cave with pool downs? You take your rope with you, and an uninspected increase in water levels. There is a cave out in Tennessee where there are three vertical drops of over 100 feet or more, but people typically only take one rope because the bottom of the cave is open and you can pretty much walk out of it unless it is flooded. There is always water in the cave, anywhere from ankle deep to about 18 inches. Between the second and the third drop, there is a long 400 foot crawl with low ceilings and high water levels. When I have been, there was about a half a foot of water with about the same amount of airspace above. It is a nice crawl though, with pretty river pebbles on the floor and lots of small but clean formations along the walls, white calcite formations, stalactites, stalagmites, and soda straws, mostly. Some of the formations are beige, yellow, or tinged with red, showing impurities, of course, which leads to lots of variation during the 400-foot crawl. If, for example, a caver was in a small party who were exploring this cave and dropped into it expecting a typical through trip but happened to have a problem during the second 100-foot rappel, the party could decide to float him through the crawl. They could pull down the rope and move him through where the entrance to the crawl is only to discover that the water levels are too high and there is an exceedingly small air gap in the crawl. But with the water that high, the movement of the water would be very swift and it may be too much for someone attempting to navigate it to fight their way back upstream. That person would have to contend with just a few inches of oxygenated air at the top of a passage that has razor-sharp rocks all along the cave ceiling, and at the end of the passage, the water jets over to this drop and it goes almost a half a mile down. The immense water pressure would try to push them out of the passage, and it would take a moment of strength and effort for a sustained period to be able to resist that water pressure. And honestly, it would not take long to exhaust someone, and when they run out of strength, then it is time for the big sleep. It is likely that the fall would not kill the caver outright since the bottom of the drop would be completely flooded. He had hit the bottom and likely would break a bone or sprain an ankle, but the water would essentially break his fall, potentially saving his life. But that is only assuming that he could breathe the whole way down the passage without getting his face torn up by the rocks on the ceiling. As you can imagine, that is very very unlikely. If there's one thing that you can take away from this dumb story about caving, it is that you never, ever go alone, and you do not try to take an injured person out of the cave with small numbers. It is better to leave one person with the injured party and let two people go out and get help. That is why the smallest safe party is no less than about four people. But with one person staying back and two people trying to make it out of a flooded passage, there is the potential for lots of drama. A few years back, I was really into caving, or to give it its boring name that no one uses, spelunking. I really did not think I would be into it when I first tried it. Like, I had considered myself mildly claustrophobic, the kind of guy who always felt a little anxious zipping a sleeping bag up all the way. I don't know if it just woke something up in me, or it was just the rush of getting over a fear or something to that effect, but I took to it like a duck out of water. You're somewhere you should not be, exploring parts of the world that very few people see, 
relying on people, truly relying on them to ensure your safety and theirs. It is a rush, that is for certain, but it's not without its dangers. So every year, my family and a few close friends head out to a national park or something along those lines to spend some time with the nature. And one particular year, I managed to convince them to go all the way out to Mammoth Cave National Park over in Kentucky, which is home to more than 400 miles of passageways, making it the world's largest known cave system. The cave system is located within the Green River Valley, and its winding chambers, pools, and the limestone labyrinths that are all equal parts beautiful and eerie. Ten different tours offer guests the opportunity to explore the decorated historic dripstone areas. The cave complex is especially well known for its natural entrance in Gothic Avenue, a passageway filled with historic stone monuments and signatures for 19th century visitors. So that was just about enough history and photo ops for my mom and aunts. The river could provide hours of fishing for my dad and uncles, all while myself and my cousins would enjoy the caving there. All went well with the vacation, right up until the second to last day, when my cousin and I decided to go a little too deep into one of these caves. My cousin was new to caving, so for the first few days we did not go too deep or too far. Last thing I wanted to do was freak him out before we had done anything worth writing home about, but as the week ended, there was absolutely no way I was going home without finding something a little more extreme to traverse. So as we were heading back to civilization after an afternoon full of caving, we found what looked to be a slit, just about as high as our knees, in the rock wall of a cavern. You had to get down on your stomach to fit in. It was such a tight squeeze. But if you did, it led to a small cross space that cut through the entire rock. After a few meters... I noticed that quartz was growing on the passageway ceilings, and in the light of our headlamps, they glittered in a way that I cannot really describe in words. It's something straight out of a fairy tale. A still from those weirder Jim Henson movies. It was just... magical. So we entered one at a time. Given that the tunnel was only wide enough for one person, the old claustrophobic me would have honestly thought this place was a living nightmare. For real. I would have straight up had a panic attack and probably died of heart attack before deprivation ever set in. Every single time you took a breath in some places, you would feel the ceiling of the tunnel on your back. It was that narrow. But the new me just found it thrilling. Once you get it into your head that these things cannot just up and collapse on you, you get this feeling of calm, and then one of exhilaration, when you realized you were conquering your fears and going places other men dared not tread. The deeper inside the tunnel we went, the more incredible the scenery became. It was like a whole other tiny world, tucked away with the solid rock. But eventually, like most small subterranean tunnels, it just kind of petered out. At one turn, there was a dead end. The other was a host to all kind of stalactites and stalagmites. Those are those kind of rock spike things you usually see on the roofs of caves. Only, you get them on the bottom too in most places. I'm checking out these stalactites and stuff to see if there's a possibility of us twisting through them to get deeper into the section of the tunnel when I hear my cousin whispering something behind me. Something that honestly made my blood run cold. He said he could feel water on his back. Something was dripping on him. As it turns out, while everyone was having a good old time outside, checking out the statues and whatnot, it had started to rain. Only... 
they neglected to tell us that. So thanks, guys. It is also worth noting that the tunnel we were in had sank down into the rock for a little while before sort of flattening out at the bottom. And to save you all the little geology lecture, I'll get to the point. The tunnel we were in was filling up with water. Granted, it was filling up slowly, but the position we were in meant that we only had a few minutes to get out of there, and only a few inches of water could effectively drown us in this situation. And that is a real bad position to be if you don't own a pair of gills. We turned around as fast as we could, which took like the longest time when you factor in how narrow the tunnel was. Then began the long, slow crawl back along the flat part of the tunnel. It was absolutely horrific. I tried to keep calm and as collected as I could, but hearing my cousin almost cracking up in front of me is something that still makes me shudder to think about. My biggest fear was that he would just lock up, which scared people are prone to do during particularly grueling caving sessions. For some reason, the brain just decides it does not want to take the body any further, and that is how people get stuck down in the rock for hours before they are calm enough to keep going. I was terrified that he would just lock up, not move, and be the reason we both drowned down there, dying while our family laughed and joked in their marquee tents. But he did not. That magnificent beast kept his cool, relatively speaking anyway, and just pushed on. That does not mean it did not get close. It was a horrendous feeling. The water was slowly rising around us, seeing little drops turn into trickles, each new one causing my heart rate to speed up and my adrenaline to surge. By the time the tunnel started to turn upward, back towards the main entrance, the water was almost up to my lips. Every move we made was a splash, and both of our sets of clothes were completely soaked through. That little incident caused a ton of issues for the remaining two days. My aunt and uncle blamed me for almost getting my cousin killed, and they pretty much took it out of my parents for allowing me to have such a dumb hobby. We did not go back into those caves at all, and to be honest, it took me a few months before I even thought about caving at all. It has not put me off entirely. Bet your ass that I checked the weather before caving now, though. It's definitely made me more safety conscious. Every single time that I go outside, if it looks like it's even about to sprinkle, I won't go into any caves. It is just not worth losing your life over, no matter how amazing it is. Just last fall, I went on a camping trip to a wildlife reservation in northern New Mexico with my wife. We were doing a big road trip all the way from Louisiana where we live. We had a lot of fun until nighttime came. We had rented a cabin with a sunroof so we could enjoy the view of the night sky and the surrounding mountains. It was amazing and we got to see the Milky Way. Anyways, it was about 10.30pm. Everything outside was pitch black. We were out there exploring the area with our flashlights. We came up to this boarded up cave and there were no signs up for trespassers. It was only halfway boarded up, so we decided to go inside and check it out. I couldn't really tell you if we regret going in there or not because we found some amazing things inside. Like the idiots we were, we took some of these things because they looked valuable. That was not the worst thing we did as we went deeper into the cave. Then. We heard some strange noises coming from the other side. Whatever they were, it was not something we wanted to see. But oh my god, did we see it. It had an antler-like head 
and stood up on its back legs. The eyes shined a bright red color, but luckily it was further away than we thought. We ran back to where we had come from and all the way back to the cabin. We got away with the things we took in our backpacks, but to this day, we still don't know what we saw. We constantly question, what was that thing? After finding the Swamp Dweller show, I do think it might have been a Wendigo or a Skimwalker or something like that. I don't know. Just don't go exploring random boarded up caves. I've been caving as a hobby for several years now. Nothing supernaturally creepy ever happened during any of my caving events, but I have been in some dangerous situations which have either left me questioning my sanity or the sanity of those around me. So, I used to go caving with a group of people from a university club, but I had been out of university for a few years and had just been doing my own thing. Well, one weekend, me and my friend Josie decided we should go on a little trip to the cave with these guys, you know, to see how the old club was doing. The club that taught us how to cave, and we in turn taught the new guys when we were the old breed. So, anyway, the trip is going according to plan, and me and Josie go off caving on our own. But one evening, we decide to join the whole group and cave with them in a tunnel system near our communal campsite. Now, at the time, it was raining a little bit, and I was beginning to feel uneasy about the whole thing. But to be honest, I never voiced my concerns and I just went with it. This was a big mistake. And so, it was that a large group of about 12 people arrived at this cave system, spending about 20 minutes checking their gear before entry. The cave system we were exploring is normally just a subterranean river on the inside, but it has a few level of corridors that you can explore high above the water itself. The entrance is tight though, and requires you to climb down this tight pipe extremely cautiously, using only your feet to feel for stable footholds. There is absolutely no way for you to see what you are doing, and you can barely see what is below you, and basically, if you lose your footing there, it's going to be a nasty fall that could leave you seriously injured if you fell to it. However, manage to keep your head together and you'll be fine. So, much of caving is winning the battle in your own mind, to be honest. So anyways, we get to the cave and the guys in the club are doing their thing. Me and Josie are just the old, salty veterans coming along to relive the old college days. Once we are inside... We realize that there is one younger girl who has got herself somehow stuck in the entrance at the very rear of the group. It turns out, it was only her second caving trip ever, and for some reason, her buddies thought it would be a good idea to bring her into this one, even though she had panicked whilst in a much larger, easier cave system earlier in the week. So, one of the team leaders stays behind to help the panicking girl calm down and get her to advance more into the cave, while the rest of us move deeper down some of the long corridors before we can start exploring the cave properly. Then I went and asked one of the leaders of the group, a girl I had taught how to cave just a few years before, what time it was. And to my absolute shock and horror, she said straight up that she does not know, because she is not wearing a watch. Shocked, I asked her how the hell she expects to know what time to leave the cave to be on time for the callout. For those who do not know, the call-out is arguably the most important aspect of serious caving. It is where you let someone on the surface know 
even if it's just a friend who is not even on the trip, exactly who is going to be present on a caving trip, as well as what time you plan on leaving, and without a call out, if something goes wrong, no one will ever know you are missing for a few days or even weeks, and will then have potentially hundreds of caves to look over in hopes of finding you. And in that time, it is entirely possible that you could have died of deprivation by that point. Remember, it just takes around 72 hours without water for a person's heart to just pack up and cease speeding. Anyway, the leader of all these sweet, innocent beginners tells me that she did not leave a call out or bring any first aid kit or safety equipment. I am literally furious that she has put us in this situation, but I hold my cool long enough because I do not want the others to panic. Because to panic in a cave system is straight up death sentences on everybody. But still... I tell her quietly that I am now the call out and to be out of the cave by 1.30 p.m. I reluctantly give her my watch, trying not to snap and straight up call her reckless and dumb before I start back towards the cave entrance. Back near the entranceway, the other leader guy was sitting with the girl who got stuck earlier, the same one who managed to get her into the cave. It turns out that she could just not handle it and they had abandoned the attempt entirely. I go through the situation with them and tell them I am leaving the cave to be the call out guy. They asked me to go get a SRT kit, basically just ropes and a harness, in case any of the other caving club need to climb back out. So, I do just that. A little while later, I head back with the gear, which they did not have at all, and I had to borrow off other cavers who were luckily at the same campsite. I get back to the cave and the others are leaving, albeit rather slowly, as it is a difficult entrance, and climbing out is considerably harder than climbing in. They all manage to get out, but lo and behold, the panicking girl gets stuck, and with two leaders trapped below her, she is blocking the entrance. We harness her up, and I rig up an anchor to try and secure her on a rope in case she falls, but she is wedged in there tight, and is not in the right frame of mind to get moving. Then I get the news that the others from below are freaking out because the cave is starting to fill because of the rain. After what seems like an eternity of them nicely talking to this panicking girl, telling her she is doing great and she will be fine, she is getting worse at this stage, I freak out. I shout at her that she needs to get herself together and get out of the cave because others are stuck behind her. It kind of works and she nearly stops having a panic attack. Not entirely, but she stops hyperventilating, which just makes her more stuck. She still will not climb out though. So against all common sense, I lie down into the hole and grab her by the harness and pull her out of the cave. After that, I told the club they need to get their wits together and stop being cowboys, but I have not gone back to them since, because their foolishness straight up nearly got two team leaders killed. My significant other and I are pretty adventurous. We both love camping and hiking. A few years ago, right when I had left the military, we planned a trip to visit her mother and stepfather in New Mexico for a month around Thanksgiving. We decided while we were there we'd go to the Carlsbad Caverns National Park. Her stepfather had to work, but offered us his jeep to use and her mom graciously made us a picnic lunch. Her 17-year-old sister joined us, so we headed out in the morning and decided to do the self-guided tour as my significant other grew up around there and has been there several times while growing up. Anyway, we have a great day, and at one point we decide to go to the Big Room Trail. There wasn't a lot of tourists that day, 
There were maybe another two or three parties at most that we even encountered on trail. We are halfway through when we start hearing this mournful singing. It was a male's voice, but we looked forward and back and didn't see anyone. We are a little bit creeped out, but whatever. Homeboy wants to sing, let him. Until the singing got louder, and we started to hear what he was singing. It involved slitting throats and raining blood. Now, my sister-in-law and significant other are pretty creeped out. They are definitely trying to turn around now. We turn around and run into another group who looks freaked out as well. It's a couple with a nine-year-old child visiting from England. They heard the singing too. So we all nervously chuckle and head back. We are standing outside the entrance when this guy walks out. He's humming, and so my significant other nudges me. He isn't outwardly creepy, but he gives off some major creeper vibes. He sees us watching him, and he gives us the scariest freaking smile. He then follows us at a distance the entire time of our stay. We went back later in the week with more family and thankfully didn't run into him. I don't know what that guy was doing singing in the mouth of that cave, but man, I really hope we don't find out. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true caving horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that helps the swamp expand its ever-growing waters. If you're listening on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give the show a 5-star rating, as it truly helps the show a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as we upload them almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's something from a cave or a different topic entirely, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going. If you guys are on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories wherever you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from t-shirts to hoodies to face masks and more. I'd love to see you guys rocking some cool Swamp threads. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you all. I'll see you soon with another creepy video. Before this video ends, I would love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I'd honestly have to say that first and second one is a good tie for me. Claustrophobia is something I deal with, and I don't think I could ever go caving. I'd love to know if you guys go caving. Anyways, thank you guys. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.